Welcome to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and find deeper purpose and meaning in your walk with Christ. If you would like more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org. Joshua chapter 5, we're going to be starting at verse 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives, and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives, and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness, till all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt, were consumed, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, whom the Lord sware that he would not show them the land." which the Lord sware unto their fathers that he would give us, a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children, whom he raised up in their stead, them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them by the way. Now, when they came out of Egypt, the people who came out had been circumcised. Those who weren't had been as they came out of Egypt. And when God gave the law, they were told that, you know, eight days after their birth, they're supposed to be circumcised and there was a certain way they're supposed to do it and, and all this stuff. They wander in the wilderness. They get to the edge of the promised land. They send spies in. All right. And the spies... Of the 12, only two of them came back with a good report, said that God can deliver us. The other 10 said, no, we can't go in, we can't take it. The people there are giants. God says to those who have came out, who were there at the edge of the promised land, he says to them, listen, you're not going into the promised land, you're not going to see it. You're going to wander in the wilderness until all your generation dies out. So this whole generation who had came out of Egypt did not see the promised land, and died in the wilderness. Joshua, who was one of the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, those two went into the promised land. Joshua and Caleb, who, who made it through all this, they were the only ones of that first generation who were going to see the promised land. But those who came up and were born in the wilderness, who were born after they had come out of Egypt, who were born after 
the events uh, that, that transpired in Egypt, those who were young, who, who were uh, under a certain age, lived, survived to go into the promised land. But while they were in the wilderness, the circumcision that was commanded by God had not happened. So now God, through Joshua, is getting ready to lead the children of Israel into the promised land, the land that was uh, given to them by God through the promise to Abraham, getting ready to lead them into this promised land. And God says, listen, before you go any further, it is time you take care of one little thing. Make some sharp knives. Because we got some things to take care of. Now, this was part of God's covenant with the children of Israel. Circumcision was part of his covenant with the children of Israel. They had just came across the river Jordan and God had dried it up. They walk across the River Jordan on dry land, right? They had went, and as the the men who bared the ark put their feet in the water, the water receded, and here they were walking across Jordan. The, The kings in the land had heard about what God had done and his leading and and his power was with him and they were listen they were the the kings of the Amorites the kings of the the Canaanites they were afraid because they seen what God was doing but God says to Joshua this just won't do we have a generation who is walking around with the ark of God in their presence, the presence of God amongst them, but they don't bear the mark of God. There was a generation that had came along that had the ark but didn't have the mark. That's right. Yep. It rhymed. <laughs> and over the past couple weeks, this scripture and this thought has been on my mind. And I, I will tell you that with, with all that's in me, the Lord has been saying to me that we have a generation in our church today who have the ark they love to go to church and worship they love to sing songs and raise their hands they love all those things but they do not bear the mark the ark is good the presence of God in our life is good and I Gosh, who doesn't want the presence of God? Man, there is nothing better than going to church and the Holy Spirit coming down. And I mean, you just feel the power of the Spirit. And I mean, it is, it is 
thick. You ever, you ever been in a church service where, and I, I know that, that there are people who, who think I'm absolutely crazy when I describe the Spirit as being thick, but you've been in a fog, and you know where you, you walk through the fog and you almost get wet. There, there, are, there are times when you are in church where the Spirit is like that. It is just everywhere. And maybe some of you guys, that you have no clue what I'm talking about. You've never been in a church. Man, you're missing out. You're missing out. If you've never been in a, a service or in a, 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 a place where the Spirit of God comes, like you are missing out. But man, there are times when the Spirit will come and it is just thick. I mean, it is all over the place. And, and it doesn't matter. It just seems like you move and, and the Spirit is just on you in everything you do. And it's awesome. Amen. That, that's my favorite part. That is. That, that is my favorite part. I love that. I love that part of being a Christian. Man, I, I enjoy that so much, man. When, when you come to church and, and the Spirit of God just moves. Oh. And it's so refreshing, isn't it? You, you've had a rough week. You've had a hard week. Things are, are man, you feel beat down and tired. And, you just don't, and then you come to church and the Spirit of God comes and moves. And it, it, it just refreshes your soul. I mean, it, it, it's like someone gave a, you're, you're, you're like, you're crawling through the desert all week and then someone takes you and throws you in the swimming pool on Sunday morning or Sunday night because you just, you was in a, a church service where the Spirit of God came and it just, he just poured out on the house and, and your, your dried up spirit just got refreshed and renewed. Man, it, it is amazing. That is my favorite part. That's good. And why wouldn't it be your favorite part? I mean, right? I mean, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you want that? Because that, that's awesome. I mean, that's what we need, right? It's good. But it was never God's intent for us to have all the spiritual stuff, but to never bear the mark. I want to read a scripture. Galatians chapter 6. <clears throat> verse 14 is where I'm starting. Galatians chapter 6 verse 14. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Listen to this. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision. It's not circumcision in the traditional sense. When we talk about the mark, we're not talking about what they had happen to them when Joshua got out the sharp knives. It's not circumcision that availeth, or uncircumcision, but a new creature. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. Now listen to this. From henceforth let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Amen. 
So when I'm talking about having the mark of God, I'm not talking about circumcision or uncircumcision. That's not what this is about. And as Paul writes, he said, circumcision doesn't avail anything. It doesn't matter. Uncircumcision doesn't change anything. But you know what does? A new creature. A new creature. One of, one of the problems, folks, is that we want the Spirit of God, but we don't want to be a new creature. There is a generation today. There are people who sit in our churches who want the presence of God, who, who want to come to church. They want to see good singing and good preaching and good music. They, they want to enjoy themselves and have a good time. But they lack something that is vital, and that is a changed life. evidence of a change when Paul is talking here he says this for henceforth let no man trouble me for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus he's not talking about circumcision or uncircumcision he's making reference to the beatings the scars the bruises that he had taken for the testimony of Christ. We, we want to have a great time in church. We want to worship God, but no one wants a testimony. No one wants to go through the trial that's required to grow their faith. No one wants to do the things that are necessary to have a ministry. See, as a church, as a body of, a, of believers, we're not just here to pat each other on the back. You get that, right? We have a ministry together. We do. We, we have a ministry, and it's... We don't even have to relegate it just to this church, but even, even other bodies of believers. And, and I find it so interesting how so often as, as churches we, we seem so competitive with each other. Well, you know, I, I, we got to make sure we, well, we don't want them to take our, our congregation. We can't do anything with them, and we don't want to have any association with it. That's one of the things I, I love about being here with Major, man. When, when any of the other churches around, he's like, hey, hey, the, the Baptist church down the road, they're having revival. We want to all, let's all get down there if we can. I love it because we have a ministry and that is to show the lost Jesus Christ. But to have a ministry sometimes it's going to take some scars. I can tell you for certain 
that my ministry has caused me to have some scars. There have been hard times and things that I have went through that I wished I didn't have to go through, but looking back on those situations and circumstances that I came through, it's because of those that I have grown in the Spirit. It's because of those that I've learned and I've gotten closer to Christ. Yes, it is wonderful to feel the presence of God. It's wonderful to feel the Spirit. But if you want to have a deep walk with Christ, if you want to have a deep relationship with Christ, you don't get there just by having uh, the, the days when you feel the Spirit in church. It comes from walking with Him through the mountains and through the valleys. My wife and I have been married 12 years. We have not, by any means, had a perfect marriage. It is because one half of us is not perfect, and that half is me. So, you know what I mean? She, when, when, when she married me, she's like, ah, oh, look at that poor sap right there. <laughs> well, maybe if I marry him, I can kind of train him up and get him, get him straightened up a little bit. So, we've been married for 12 years. And there are days when she absolutely hates me not I mean not really hates but you know what I mean if you've been married you know exactly what I'm talking about you just can't stand to look at me just getting on your nerves did you leave your toenails in the back I've never done that I've never done that I just something I made up off the top of my head you know what I mean it's like it's like the other day the kids I got the kids out of out of the shower right get in the bathtub stand right here our bathroom's not big we don't have a big bathroom the whole bathroom is you know maybe eight ten feet wide you know it's not real big yeah so you part of that's a shower and then you got a commode and a sink and then over here in the corner we got a thing that the kids can throw their dirty clothes in right there in the bathroom you know and so i was in there and I, Truett had got in the bathtub after Reagan had been in the shower a little earlier. And I walk in there and I get Truett out and I look at Truett. I said, Truett, where are your clothes? They're right there, Dad. And they was right under, right under him. They're, they're right, right there, Dad. I said, that's great that they're right there. Look, if you pick these up and you stretch your arm out, you just have to stretch your arm. You don't have to move. You don't have to shuffle. You don't have to go in. You just have to stretch your arm out and let it go over here, and it's where it's supposed to be. And I said, can you do that, Truett? Yeah, Dad, I can do it. So he picks it up, and he stretches his arm out, and he drops it in the hamper. And then I said, I said, Reagan, come here. And Reagan comes in here. I said, Reagan, where are your clothes? She said, they're right here on the floor, Dad. I said, that's great. Do you know that if you pick those up and you stretch your arm out, you can drop them in the dirty clothes hamper and they're where they're supposed to be? Now, I tell you that story to tell you this, that I I don't put stuff in the dirty clothes hamper a lot. (laughs) And my wife gets upset with me. And she has a right to. I mean, honestly, she has a right to get upset with me. 
And there are days where you're just like, man, I just, oh, why, why are you like that? But, you know, I, I will say this, that after 12 years of being married, I, I, I feel like we're closer now than we've ever been. I'm serious. Yeah, see how I am at 50. And I know that there are days that we, we don't feel close. There are days we feel like, wow, we're, oh, we don't spend any time together. I mean, we're running kids here and there. And shoot, this week we'll be in Bible school all week. I'm going to come straight here from work, and it'll be 9 o'clock when I get home or later. And then, you know, we're going to go to bed. And, then we're gonna, and, and, man, by the end of the week, it's like, hey, good to see you. How are you? Long time no see. You know? And there, there are times in our life we don't feel real close. But I can tell you after 12 years, we're close. You know why we're close? Because we've been through hard times together. We've been through times when we were first married that we couldn't afford much. We drove and drove and drove and, and went places to preach and to sing and, and come home tired and, and, and come home uh, uh, wore out and we've been sick and taking care of each other and we've had uh, medical emergencies and things, uh, problems, things that come up and we've, we've lost friends and family and, and we've been there for each other. And all those things have made us close. But as Christians, we, wanna, we think we can just bypass it. We just want the good stuff. It would be the equivalent of, of wanting to be married and, and we want to have a wedding, we want to have the honeymoon, you know? And then we want to be around for Christmas and birthdays and, and, and vacations and holidays and, and when just good stuff, but, but no one wants to vacuum or clean. or You, you see what I'm saying? we got people in church who want the good stuff that they can get from God. But they don't have the mark of God. They don't have that commitment. They don't have, there's never been a change. There's never been a conversion that's happened in their heart. They've not been changed through the power of the Spirit. They've not walked closer. They've not went through the hard times and the trials. And here's what you need to know. It's the hard times and trials that you go through that refine your faith, that try you and bring you closer to Christ. It sounds pretty stinky, doesn't it? it sounds awful, but it's true. It's true. You know how I know the problem that I face tomorrow, I can get through it? Because I know he brought me through the problem I faced yesterday. The mark of God in our life distinguishes us. Makes us different. And see, you know what the last thing that we want is? Is we don't want to be different. I will tell you this, that... Christianity has thrived in cultures and in places when they were counter-cultural. You hear people talk about going to Africa. 
missionaries going to Africa and how so many people received the word and how, man, the spirit of God is really moving there. But think about how countercultural the message of Jesus Christ is to these people who live in these countries, who worship false gods. Think about the expansion of Christianity under the Roman Empire. Think about how they were persecuted and the things that happened to them, but how Christianity grew and flourished even when people were killing them. Countercultural. Mickey was speaking this morning about uh, suicide and how the rate of suicides has, has increased so dramatically lately. And, and we're seeing people uh, who, who seemingly have it all and have everything who are taking their own lives. It's because they live in a culture that says, all you need is everything. If you have it all, then you can be happy. Some people, uh, they get to a point and they look at their life and they're like, oh, there's no way that I can have it all, so I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to give up. Others may get to the top and say, oh, wow, look, I've got it all, but I'm still empty, so I'm just going to give up. But you know what the gospel teaches us? Having nothing is everything. Yeah. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That was a scripture we talked about last week. what Jesus says what would it profit a man if he gains everything but he loses his soul or what is it that you have that you could give in exchange for your soul and you have to understand this there is nothing in this world that is worth your soul there is nothing that you have or could ever have That is worth your soul. Even if you had everything, you would be selling cheap your soul. Even if you gained everything, you would be selling your soul cheap. Jesus says, listen, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and deny yourself and follow me. If you want to come after me, you want to go my way, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. Just like Joshua coming out of the wilderness into a land of milk and honey, there were people, they had the ark of God, the presence of God was with them. They walked right through the parted waters. 
But there was a covenant there, and it wasn't complete. Because part of that covenant required the mark of God in their life. When Jesus come, he brought to us what we call the new covenant, right? The Spirit of God is part of that. He comes and he dwells in us. But there's also another component of that. That is the mark of God in our lives. A new creature who's changed, different, and separated from what we used to be. From what the world wants us to be. And it's time that we start to choose. I'm going to be different. I'm going to be different than what I used to be. I'm going to be different than what the world says I ought to be. And I'm going to be exactly what Jesus has called me to be. Thank you for listening to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope this has been a blessing to you and that you will share this with your family and friends. For more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stockdale underscore UCC.